And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. James, the Leafs continue to rollick. Huh? Huh? Yeah, did you see? Yeah. Didn't you use that last show? That's Wasn't the that? only reason I'm using it this show. Yeah. Right. And I called it the dork thesaurus or <laughs> nerd thesaurus or whatever. You got any more? You want to pile on a few more? Hmm. I'll, I'll get back to you. I should I should have thought of that beforehand. I saw. Uh, I noticed so- on... I yeah. noticed that some Leafs fans were calling you Eeyore on social media. So I don't Why? know what that was about. I was away for a couple of days. I don't know. Are you being negative? They. I wrote about their goaltending. I don't think that was unfair. It's reasonable. Did you? Did your piece say they were going to get two shutouts in a row after you? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a long year, man. Let's let's let it play out. Vesna. Can, can two goalies share the Vesna if they're on the same team? That's a good question. Maybe I'll write about that next week. We'll have to look into that. I mean, our job is to not just like... Anyway. Um, so the Leafs have taken points in 17 of 18 games since November 1st. 13 straight back-to-back shutouts, as you mentioned, which means, James, you don't know about this, but we are going to play a game today. Huh? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that's what we've been missing. You know, I've noticed that like our our listenership's been going up and up and up and doing really well. And we should go back to when we did games and it was fewer pe- fewer people were listening. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I am ERA, right? Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So what we're gonna do, we're we're gonna get to the pod bag a little later. We're gonna talk about Nick Robertson. Obviously, that, that's a crap injury for him given everything he's been through. But we are going to play a game. So I wrote after the LA game 
uh, about the nine biggest reasons for this stretch, which is basically five weeks and a bit more than that now. So I've got a hat. I've got all those reasons in a hat, and I'm going to shake it up. And we're going to go through them one by one, like a, huh? like an actual, like an actual hat. Yeah, my Dodgers hat. Okay. So let's pick the first one. The defensive play, James, take it away. I think we actually have a story. We do. I, I was just reading it on the Athletic about their defensive play. What do you see? What do you know? What do you think? I would actually say I know that like we're probably going to talk about goalies and there's like a lot of uh, a lot of reason to do so. But the thing that I think really stands out to me is that you're down three defensemen, three of your top defensemen, and a lot of the guys that there were question marks about have played really, really well. And I, I think especially I would say Sandine and Logren, like the fact that they're playing together and playing so well and playing against good players and, and, and driving play and playing well defensively. You know, the Leafs says as a five-man unit at even strength, have done a really good job of limiting. Cam Sharon has a good piece on, on the athletic about this uh, and really limiting the high danger chances against that, uh, that bodes really, really well. You know, and then you factor in, look at all the, look at the minutes that Giordano and Justin Hall are playing and playing a lot of minutes, playing difficult minutes. I mean, that, that top 4D coming through the way that it has is, is huge. I don't know if I would say that's the story of their season so far, but it's certainly, it's up there. Well, I think what's interesting is when you contrast the way things started defensively, they were bad. And, and maybe we should just expect that. Every year, just because it's early in the year and you're still sorting out your system with new players, like maybe we should just almost always just throw out October in some ways. And shouldn't the other teams be bad too? Then if they're like, yeah, I don't that's know, too, that's that's a fair <laughs> counter. I mean, that's a good point. But like, remember all the odd man rushes they were giving up early in the year. Now it's like when they give up an odd man rush, it's like, wow, that was weird. They don't they don't do that much. Like they've gotten better defensively without their two best defensive defenseman and now as Sheldon Keith pointed out after the game against actually before and after the game against LA he thinks the forwards have done a much better job defensively and I mm-hmm. think that's probably true as well no I think that that's right I mean I Matthews looks dominant defensively I mean it's you know they have good defensive forwards and then we saw that last year what we didn't see last year was Sandine and and, and I mean we did for a little bit with Lilligren. But it was with, I think with Logren, sometimes it was a question of, you know, is it, he's playing well with Giordano and we're going to get to those guys, James, we're going to get to those guys. No one would have predicted Mark Giordano playing on the top pair the way that he is at 39 years old. Like it's, it's really, really, really impressive what he's been able to do. All right. Next in my hat. Oh, this is an interesting one. PP1. Now what's interesting is. James about their number one power play unit, which is basically their power play because the other unit doesn't really produce, although they produced a goal on Thursday night. But so the numbers like suggest they're, they've just been okay. But I think what they've been, James, is like they've been pretty consistent. Like every other game, they're kind of getting a goal. Some games are getting two. Um, and it's really been Matthews, Neilander, and Tavares as kind of the central cogs. And what I like about their power play now, which I, I didn't like as much even last year or the year before that, it's very like you, 
before it was really just about Matthews and everything kind of revolved around Matthews. And if Matthews wasn't scoring, the power play kind of sunk a little bit. And now it's like they have all these different threats that it's almost like it's it would be hard to guard against any one thing with their power play because if like you sell out for Matthews, well, now you've got you know Tavares in the bumper around the net, you've got Neilander on one of the flanks, or and and even those positions are all interchangeable. Like they move around constantly. What have you seen from their top unit? Yeah, and that's been a change that they had right from training camp, right? That it was clear that the system was was moving to something that was a bit more dynamic, and we were seeing. The players are roaming around the offensive zone and it just makes sense. I mean, it's, it doesn't, I know Matthews obviously is, is so dangerous, but they have a lot of really, really good offensive players. Like it didn't, it, it almost feels like if you're leaning that heavily on Matthews, you're not relying enough on Nylander mm-hmm. and Marner and, and Tavares to create and, and whoever's back on defense as well. Well, and if and if an opposing penalty kill knows, like, listen, they're just trying to get that Matthews bomb. That's easier to guard against. What was happening is like teams are, and Matthews talked about this, like they're just sitting on him. They're just kind of like waiting for that shot and not even letting him get off that shot. And I think what's been interesting to me, James, and I don't know what to make of this. Shana Goldman had a good piece on on the Athletic about John Tavares, and part of it was just how much he's been converting around the net. And I've, I've written about some of those trends a little bit and she went into really good detail. I just don't know what to make of that. Like why, like obviously he's always been great around the net, but this year it's like almost any chance he gets in tight, especially on the power play, he's been converting. Like, do you think that's locked? Do you think that's, you know, some of the changes he made in the off season? Like, what do you think that is? I mean, Tavares has always been good in tight, but it's like at a new level it's- this year, James, like, and, and just like the amount of chances he's, He's getting the amount of chances he's converting. Well, okay. Okay. So like they're two separate things. I think the amount of chances he's getting is some of the things that you wrote about early in the year where you were talking about working on yeah. his, his, his speed, uh, having a little bit more separation. Like I think it was, was it Philadelphia, the goal where he made the move yeah. off to the side of the net and he danced. And I think it was Sandheim. Turnstiled. Right. He completely turnstiled a guy and like, yeah, that's like the, that's like the quick, they call it like, you know, like a quick first step or quick first two steps. That's like the acceleration piece that, yeah. you know, Tavares's hands are so good that if he can like, just like add a little bit more unpredictability and he has, and it's looked good, not just in front of the net, but also like, you know, on like the zone entries. And I'd be interested. I haven't looked that closely at Cam Schron's data on, on the zone entries, but it it really feels like he's he's more involved in the play and and turning the puck over yeah. less frequently than he has in the past so i mean just you know his shooting percentage is up a little bit but you know he's at 13.8 the last two years he was at 11 and change but not anything that would be like this is wildly unsustainable you know and he's on pace for just shy of 40 goals and I think that that's, that's about right for him. That's about where he should be. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that with, and, and we're kind of sidetracking, but that's fine. Um, you mentioned that with the skating. It's funny. Like it brought me back to something I wrote at, at a certain point last year where I, I remember highlighting a clip where he just couldn't get separation. And that really felt like one of the, the red flags is like, oh man, like if he's not able to get away from people anymore. Maybe he's like really moving into a different stage of his career. And like, 
I wrote before the season, like one of the questions I had, or the question I had for him is like, can he still be a star? And like right now the answer is yes. Uh, and that's, that's a big deal. Anyway, I'll go back to the hat. I do think I should add James with their number one power play unit. I kind of think it's, it's just been fine still with Sandine. Uh, you could tell like there's, there's a chemistry factor with Riley that's different just because he's played so long with those guys, but I, I haven't minded it with Sandine of you. No, no, I think, and you can just see the confidence in Sandine too. And, you know, I think just getting the number of minutes that he's getting right now is, is playing into that. I think, you know, a lot of people are down on Riley on, on the power play because of the lack of the shot threat is really the the main criticism that yeah. he gets. My, I think what the Leafs like about Riley is just his skating ability and, and how he can break out and, and really, uh, push the puck quickly up the ice and into the offensive zone. And Sandine's not quite the same, but he's kind of like wily with the puck, right? Like you give him a thing I noticed about him is that he just, he can kind of hesitate and then pop the puck to someone else. And then they can get into the zone pretty easily too. So it's not the same as, as the way that, that Riley does it, but it still seems pretty. Yeah, He's more like twitchy. Like he can kind of, he makes quick, quick movements. Um, yeah. So yeah, it is interesting. Um, let's move on. Star power, James. Uh, I had this in my story. I think the number is 40. 40 of 61 goals since November 1st have come from Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. And so like some of that's the power play. Well, yeah, you, go ahead. T- talk about things that aren't sustainable. Right? <laughs> like, you know, you don't want, you don't want 65% of your goals coming from four guys, but I mean, you'll take it in the short term and then, you know, hope that you can the rest of the lineup can start to break through a little bit as the season well, progresses. I will say, James, and this is another sidetrack, I am a little concerned with the bottom of their lineup. Like, I, I don't... There's not, they're not really getting traction from either of those bottom two lines, and that's a sidetrack, but I wonder if it's something that they're going to have to address. But let's stick with the stars. Any of them in particular, um, scoring-wise, that has surprised you is it like Neilander maybe or or like were you just thinking you know but he, he could score 40 goals like I, don't- I think with Neilander, what i would say is that he's been good right from the start of the season like he was when even when things were not going well he was the guy we were talking about as looking really really sharp and what it looks like to me is is he's just gotten like a little bit better every year the last three or four years and he had a really good season last year and you could see just a little bit he's adding a little bit more to that he looks strong. He looks fast. He looks confident. The goal that he got against LA was really, really impressive. Like he can make just, we know that already. I mean, we know how talented Nylander is. Like he's, you know, he's already easily one of the top 30 offensive players in the NHL. But now I think the question for him is, can he push into the top 20? Can he push like how, where does, where does he fit? And of late, you know, I think he's right there in the top. Yeah, you know what's interesting about that, James? Remember that I think it was the 1920 season where he scored, I think he had like 31 and 60 games or 60 something games. Remember he was on that torrid pace. And like the one of the big stories with that was like he was really taking the puck to the net. And if you look at like some of the numbers this year, that's gone up even another level. Like everything he's scoring for the most part, not everything, but a lot of it is just like around the net. Like he's attacking that. Even that goal, obviously he gets behind the D against LA. He's just always around the net and he has such an 
unbelievable shot and he's so precise with his shooting that when he gets in tight, like he's just not going to miss. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think it's an interesting question. Like, what is, is there even another level still for him? Um, I don't know if I've loved the, the Matthews Neander combination. The numbers for those two and with bunting aren't great. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Play. Like, they might just need one yeah. shift and, and it hits and like, yeah. I know what you're saying. Like they don't have the same chemistry that Marner and Matthews have, but I, I don't know. I kind of like it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm biased because of like early on in their careers when they played together, it was so much fun to watch, but I think I would play it out a little bit. Well, longer. I honestly, James, like I've really liked the Marner Tavares thing. Like I think that's been firing. Yeah. Like Marner yeah. is just, we'll get to him, but like he's making things happen for Tavares and, and even, I mean, it's going to be an interesting question, like moving forward, eventually Callie Arncroft will come back, but like they still have that slot to fill um, on the left side of that line. So, but yeah, the stars, the stars have been delivering and, and Matthews, like he's, he's starting to heat up. Like he's starting to look more like Matthews from last year, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, the team didn't say anything about it and he didn't say anything about it, but I think, you know, he, he got a little bit banged up either in preseason or early in the regular season. And that was contributing to the slow start. And, you know, it's, um, it, 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 and it's funny too, even with a slow start for him, the production is, is still through the roof. So, you know, imagine if, like I said, you know, at some point they're not going to get nine thirty three goaltending all year. So at some point there's going to be some sort of a dip there and, you know, if Matthews can kind of hit his get back to like the 60, 65 goal gear that he was on last year, when that happens, they're going to need that to like help them offset whatever future uh, bumps they run into. Good call. And it's funny, like his down year is basically what we're talking about. Neander's career year, like they basically have the same numbers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, I remember people were down on Matthews and I like looked up the, like the top 20 scores in the NHL and Matthews was like 16th or something. And it's like, boy, like, like the expectations that on him and, and like for, for good, good reason. reason. I mean, yeah, exactly. He won the hard trophy last year. Like he's just, he had just such an incredible season that it, it makes sense that, you know, I, I saw we were doing a thing at the athletic. I don't know. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus or whatever, but like we're doing a thing at the athletic looking back. At I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Night. You want me to tell you what my <laughs> and I think that prediction was? Well, I, I looked up what it was because like I was like, oh, did I do it or did Jonas do it? But so we're doing a thing for all 32 teams. Every writer had a prediction about their team, and the Leafs one was that Matthews could approach 70 goals, and that's not going to happen this year. Oh, well, you never um, know, man. You never know. Uh, I'm going to say, say no. It's probably not going to happen. I say he doesn't do it. <laughs> How many goals do you think he had after? this many games last year how many games have they played he's played 28 let me see yes okay so he has what does he have 14 right now 13 14 he's on pace for 41 goals 14 goals you know he would yeah i mean he would have to kind of do what he did last year even more than he did well he didn't get 70 goals last year so right but he also played only 73 games. So last year after this many games come on hockey reference how many goals is that he had, and it's taken too long to load. You're hmm. going to break the hamster wheel that is your internet today. So I think you should probably just anyway, back off of 
loading complicated sites <laughs> like hockey reference. All right, James, I've dug into the hat, the Dodgers hat, the lucky Dodgers hat, and pulled out another card. This one is one I know you want to talk about. Sheldon Keefe and the coaching staff. Number one, I think that some of the conversation or a lot of the, most of the conversation around Sheldon Keefe at the beginning of the season was kind of ridiculous. Like that it wasn't a coaching issue. You know, the coach in the first eight games of the season was not the problem. Mm, all right. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that I, I, I don't think it's that black and white to me. Well, I think it is. I mean, Sheldon I was Keefe, around the team a lot. It was not. It, it it wasn't working. Whatever buttons he was pushing were not working. But I know, but it was but October. He's got, he's got a body of work that is big enough, and his record is good enough that moving on from him eight games into the season or whatever it was makes it was no like sense. Ten games. He's, but yeah. He also has a really good rapport with most of the players on the team. I mean, I I did some digging around and I talked to people around the team and people who would know, and they're like, it. They're things are fine like you know like the nah i think that i james i was there things were not i mean i i think that's a stretch man players were saying they thought it was fine let's talk about some of the good things that that they've done over the last five weeks plus what stands out to you what uh, obviously the defensive play is impressive given the injuries especially yeah and i the the leafs have become a very very good defensive team last year was the really the I, I shouldn't say it's the start of it because they started during that year against the Canadian division. Last year was where they really established themselves as a strong defensive team. And for long stretches of the year, they didn't get goaltending. You know, they didn't get saves. And, you know, part of the reason they were able to still have 115 points is that they played so well defensively, but they didn't have to do it with a 39 year old on the first pair and Justin Hall on the first pair and Sandy and Lilgren playing on the playing, you know, almost 20 minutes a night on the second pair. And, with with a rotating cast on the third pair and i and and to me that's coaching you know the the penalty kill has been good the structure of the team has been good there's been buy-in from everybody you know and i think that this hopefully there's this should quiet the talk of that the leafs need a coaching change and let the man cook (laughs) let let sheldon keith have the season and another postseason, and see what he can do with it. I would add, James. I think he's done. I think he's done well to kind of like they've had all these injuries and like just back to back to back, and it's like he's not blown those things up. Like he's almost downplayed them a little bit, and it's almost like we're just going to plug someone else in and we're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what they've done. And I, I and I think. Like you look at the the really good teams with the really good infrastructure, like you think Boston, you think Tampa. Mm. Like I'm even thinking like Detroit all those years back when they had like a million injuries at the end of the year and like they somehow I think still made the playoffs. Like that's what a good team does. And that that's when you know like you've kind of built something that can kind of sustain itself, maybe not over a long, long haul, but can sustain itself over a month where you can kind of just keep the ship moving. Um, and to me, that suggests that that what Sheldon Keith has built here is strong. So that's what I would add. And and obviously, like you mentioned, like the power, the penalty kill. I mentioned the power play. Curtis Sanford, whatever he's doing with the goalies, is obviously working. He's a new hire. That's that's something. Their video coaches, like look at all the times they've they've nailed those challenges. Yeah, the one against LA was funny because they're up. I think they're up four nothing, right? And 
the the I mean the the players on the ice noticed right away. Like Justin Hall raised his hand immediately, but like Sheldon Keith and the coaching staff, like they almost didn't even need to look at a video. Like they were like, "Yep, that's not a goal." Do you think that should be a thing? Like if, when you're like that close to being onside? Well, like, I think, think the that- ones where you can see it in real time and like the players are like that's offside and the coaches like that's offside, then those ones should get called back. But the ones where it's like you're 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 like zooming in and like to the millimeter and did did he move his foot and you know I I hate the ones that are really kind of like ticky tack and that take forever and slow the game down and like if it's really really close and like no one can actually see it in real time I would like to get rid of those ones I'd like to have a clock like if they can't yeah. decide under yeah. two minutes then. You can't change well, it. Well, and maybe they should make the um, officials watch it in real time, like twice, like really quickly. And if they can't tell, then like I don't know, like yes. offside should yeah, something like I don't mind I don't mind video reviews for like the goalie interference because that's a really hard one to see in real time. But I would counter though, James, though those are worse because there's nobody knows what's goalie interference. Like it's, there's almost there's more gray with the goalie interference. Like you're just yeah, like, but what the gray is like why the review helps. I think because you can see like, oh, did he did he like actually touch the goalie or was like was he pushed in or like getting another look at that one? The offside. I know there's I know it's black and white because like there's the line and whatever, but it's just like like who ca- who cares at the end? You know, like like a lot of sometimes some of these goals are getting called back. The offside didn't have any impact on the play at all that's what i don't like well yeah Yeah. whereas like the goalie interference is like if you can watch it and you can see if it had an impact or not on the play like i would say probably you know get rid of the the offside challenges unless it's like really blatant so i don't know there's got to be a way to do that i haven't fully formed my the idea of how to do that but maybe you make it even more of a penalty if you're wrong or something maybe it's like a four minute penalty or something and make the teams like really you're not going to do it unless you're 100 percent sure that you're right yeah it's not bad all right let's take a break uh and we've kind of missed the hat has not delivered some of the biggest reasons so far uh so we'll take a break and then we also have the pod bag to get to so let's keep rolling looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, James. I'm reaching into my hat. The magic hat. Yeah. The magic hat. You were saying before the you're saying before the break that the uh the magic hat wasn't delivering the the best storylines up front. So it's almost like picking the topics for the show out of a hat is not the best way to do it. I think we've had fun. <laughs> I've had a great time. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just being an asshole. All right. So you mentioned these guys already, um, but I think it, it deserves its own conversation. Mark Giordano and Justin Hall as the top pair. Now you, you talked a bit about Giordano, and I think he's gotten more of the attention. I mean, I wrote a story about him in Tampa, so I am part of that. Um, but I actually kind of think the Justin Hall thing might be not more interesting, but it's like this guy is playing the most minutes 
Um, and it's like, this is someone who many, including us, thought like maybe he could be traded before the season with what was going on with Rasmus Sandin. He obviously had a rough start last year. It looked like they had a cap casualty after they signed Yarncroc. And if Muzzin doesn't go on LTI, I was thinking about that this morning. If Muzzin doesn't go on LTIR early in the year, they had to free up some money when Lilgren right. came back. And he was the guy. I don't know. Right? Like, like, there's a scenario where he was. I think so. I mean, I guess it could be Kerfoot would be the other one, or I don't, you know, there weren't like a really a lot of options for ways they could free up that salary. Yeah. No. So how much do you attribute his turnaround to who he's been playing with? Because obviously this started before he played with Mark Giordano. This really started when he started playing with TJ Brody, which is kind of what happened last year. Right. So like, yeah. how much is this, he's getting the benefit from the partners well, and how much is it just like things are going better? I kind of got some flack because on the 20 game mark, we did quarter season report cards and I didn't give Justin Hall a very good grade. I think he got a C plus or something like that. And people were like, well, hey, he's played really good lately. It's like, yeah, but if you look at the numbers, it's it's only with Brody that his numbers are good. But, you know, obviously he's done it now without Brody. So I don't, I, at the time I was, when we reviewed, I was like, I think a lot of this is just Brody is because we've seen Brody prop other people up and play really well with other people. So I didn't give Hall, I don't think, enough credit at the 20 game mark. Um, and part of that was colored by just how poor he was in the first, I don't know, what, seven, eight, nine games of the season. Like Hall was really, I mean, he got booed, right? By the by the crowd. He was he was bobbling the puck all the time. He just looked like and I think he would admit it, and I Sheldon Keefe would admit it, like his confidence just wasn't there early in the year. So James, like one of the things I was wondering wondering about with Justin Hall is in that specific role where basically your value or you're going to get your your satisfaction, your value at the end of the night if you keep the other team from scoring when you're on the ice. And it's like if things are kind of snowballing the other way early in the year, it would be very hard not to lose confidence. Do you think there's anything to that theory well, yeah, I was thinking of? I think the thing too is that a lot of people on the team weren't playing well. Like they weren't playing well as a defensive units so you know and, and he was playing with muzzin early and we all know you know like the things that that muzzin's been through so many injuries and everything and so i think that you know a lot, you have this situation where you have some new forwards and, and you have a, a lot of uncertainty and things aren't going very well and yeah i think that i i so i don't know i think in 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 hindsight it wasn't all on Justin Hall, and he's a, a relatively easy scapegoat for whatever reason. I guess he's, he's probably the most polarizing player on the team right now, right? Yeah, good call, probably. So, you know, he, there's there's people that like Justin Hall, and the people that like him, I mean, like, analytically, you look at, like, the underlying numbers, like, he's he's had some really impressive performances and seasons, and for a guy making $2 million, you know, I mean, we wrote, like, a really complimentary feature on him i want to say at the beginning of last year i think it was myself and josh cloak did it and we like went back into his history and talked about how they found him in the echl and he's got a really good story he seems like a really good person um so you know good for him for for playing through that and getting through the booing and and doing what he's doing right now i thought he got a little bit underrated after the end of last year um but let me ask you this james like thinking ahead if they were to add another defenseman, presumably to play in their top four, does he stay in? Like, doesn't he now just like stay in the lineup? Like, or is that too far away to even contemplate? 
I mean, do you? <laughs> this is this is probably a question we'll get in the pod bag. But like, do you do you add another defenseman? You know, if everyone's playing like this, I mean. Well, I, let me let me turn it over to to Mark Giordano because one of the things I remember writing after they made that trade is like, like this is insurance on Jake Muzzin, and then I came to this year and I was thinking, man, like obviously the stuff with Muzzin happens pretty early, and and now it's like, well, obviously they'll just play Giordano more. And the more I started to think about that, I'm like, man, I don't know, like if you can have a guy at that stage of his career at that age play that role night after night after night after night for two months potentially in the playoffs. But like you, you see what he's doing. It's like I don't. Know, maybe he can. Like I don't know. What do you think? Well, not not only just Giordano, but if you're adding a defenseman, who are you adding him to take out of the lineup? Well, that's once, a great question. Once, once everyone's healthy, like he, good question. There's, there's no one playing. I, I at this point, like if let's say the trade deadline was in three days or whatever, I I think that what you would try to add is maybe a depth defenseman. And focus more of your energies on. Uh, I mean, it would have to be up front, right? I mean, it's not like you're looking for a goalie right now either. So, the 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 good news is, and and the fact that they've won so many games and so many players have played well, it's given them time. Like, there's no urgency for them to make a deal. And the trade deadline is long ways away. Anyway, let's go back to the hat. We got to keep moving. All right, what do we got here? Oh, interesting. Mitch Marner. So as of this recording, twenty. 20- 21 game point streak, the sixth longest tied with Adam Oates from one of the early 90s years uh, in the last 30 years. Like, this is just, it's not even like, I think at the beginning of the streak, James, it was like a little bit, well, he's just getting points and like he's not really playing great or he's playing to his level. In the last few weeks, he's just been a superstar. Like, he looks again like he did in the second half last year. I was going to say that goal against LA was even the on the play by play, the, uh, Gord Miller and Mike Johnson were getting really into it. It's like you, you watch that replay back, and they were they were like, "Oh, like you know, it it goes off the." I don't know if I've seen a goal like that where you know, like the other team puts it back into the zone and off the boards, and it's just kind of sitting there. And he didn't hesitate. He didn't you know try and make a move or whatever. He's just got so much confidence. He's just like, "I know what I, I know what I'm going to do." And it was a like perfect shot, and it was a bullet. And it's like, was was that Matthews or Nylander or was that? Marner and um, he's been and and I don't know like that's just that's just an example of the confidence that he's playing with but there was the other play where he's down on his butt behind the net and like making the pass and he's almost Tavares almost scored I I think it's probably fair to say Marner's been their best player now for quite a stretch I mean I guess unless you want to pick one of the goalies no I think it's Marner yeah I mean he's he's probably he's been one of the best players in the league and it's he. He's had such a weird season because he, you know he was he was in, in one there and really early on in the year and then it, it reminds me a little bit of last year right although I think it, it took him longer to get out of it last year than it had yeah this it wasn't year. In, until like January yeah, last year yeah so you know he's up he's into a tie for twelfth in NHL scoring and gaining rapidly and he's only five points back of Kucherov in fifth um, at at this rate. He's going to be up there in the top five, top six in, in league scoring this season. And it's, um, he looks like a weapon. And, you know, I think that it feels like almost with all of these positives, like the, the goaltending and the defensive play and Sheldon Keefe and Marner and Nylander and all, you know, it's, there's always the yeah, but 
that you get, especially, you know, on social media, I always get, anytime I say anything about the Leafs, it's like, yeah, but they'll just lose in the first round again. So, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's just, we, we know what the Leafs need Marner and Matthews to have a playoff series the way that, that Dreisaitl and McDavid did last year, like where yes. they're just like completely like it's the series is, is decided by those two. Cause they're so good. We know Marner has that ability. Like we know he could put up like 15 points in a playoff series. We just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It's like they got, I think if you're grading it at a 10, like they were like a seven in last year's playoff, like the numbers look pretty good, but like you need them at like a 10 where it's just like, these guys are not losing the series because they're just so fucking good. Um, and James, I did want to bring bring up something that we talked about last week because I think you were the one who kind of brought this guy up. Um, so I wrote about Marner and you know just how unique he is in the NHL today, just based on everything that he does, the position he plays. Um, and I think you brought up Datsuk. Maybe it was on our podcast, or maybe it was just in our conversations, as kind of the guy you think in some ways he's like. And I I did Overdrive the other day. And I was talking to Darren Dreger, who came on, um, and he was telling me that Ray Ferraro had this whole thing he wanted to do on the broadcast for ESPN, or, or maybe on their podcast, um, just about how similar Marner was to Datsuk. I just well, want to know if that, you have any th- feelings on that, because I think it's someone you brought up. The way that he stick handles, the way that he can like pull the puck in and around his body and elude people. Like Mitch Marner never gets crushed with a hit. And Datsuk was the same way. They're not they're obviously not identical players, but I think that there's their their frame, like their body looks a little bit similar. Like they're not they're not obviously heavy guys. They have pretty slight builds and the way they move is a little bit similar. You were just you were at, when you you wrote a story about Marner, was it last week or something about how unique he is is now the Leafs have never had a guy like that. And you were asking me, like, well, who's the comparable around the league? Who's the comparable historically? It's hard to find a perfect one, but I think that they're... And and, and the thing you were saying was like, well, what, you know, I was, if you name some guys, it's like, well, they're not as good. They're not great defensive players the way Marner is. And then that's what... So I think the two things, the stick handling and the frame that he has and, and a little bit of the skating, but also the defensive... Well, can and, I add the, one thing to that? The, the on-ice, like, situational awareness too. Well, remember, yeah. Datsuk was really good, and so was Marner at knocking pucks out of the air. Mm-hmm. And like defensively, like you can see it on the penalty kill a lot, and even just five. Well, five, Marner's hand eye is—it's like unreal. Complete, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah, I remember seeing that rate when he was a rookie in training camp, and it's like holy cow! Like you know, and and uh, we've gone back, and I can't remember if you wrote about it or what the reason was, but I remember going. going I went back and looked at some of the stories about Marner in the draft year. You know, even the one I wrote in the Leafs office was debating, do you take Marner, do you take a defenseman? And Marner was underrated. Like, he had had a big junior season, but people were like, oh, is he going to be too small to be effective? And, you know, like, there were questions, and Mark Hunter at the time was the 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 draft girl. He was being asked, he's like, I know he can play. and But there was, like, this debate. And then you watch him now, and it's like, boy, there should not have been a debate about this guy. Yeah, I wrote about that, uh, maybe it was last summer, because I talked to Mark Hunter for that story. And... Mm. The de- the debate, as as you know, and I'm sure everyone listening knows, was about whether to take one of those defensemen. And like that was a debate. Like Mike Babcock wanted them to really consider a defenseman, and he ultimately was swayed. And you know, Mark Hunter had more pull, and obviously he knew Marner. And 
The rest is history, well, James. There Let's were really moving. good defensemen available, you know, like Wierenski yes. and, and Provorov, and yeah, like it was, it was, it was a good draft. But Anafin. and you can see, like you know, the Leafs had some offensive talent already, but they, it's, it's fortunate, it's fortunate number one that Arizona passed on Marner at, at third of all and took Strom. Oh boy, that was. I remember even during the draft, I was like, why are they passing on this guy? And that, so like that broke the Leafs' way, and then it's. It's fortunate that they that they had Mark Hunter and made that pick. Mark Hunter gets a lot of grief for some of those those drafts early in the Shanahan tenure, and I, I think some of it's justified. Um, but you know, having him knowing the player and and vouching for Marner has paid off for the franchise for over the long haul. Here's a spicy question, James: If there was a draft redraft today, would Marner go ahead of Jack Eichel? Um. I don't know. I think maybe. I'm not sure. Like maybe I, because Eichel's been awesome. Eichel's this a center, year. but like I know. Yeah, I've been. I, I've watched a lot of Vegas because you because they're in the late game often. I've got him in my pool. He's he's been awesome. He's been fantastic. So, um, some Leafs fans are probably going to be mad at me, but I, I mean, Eichel's had the injury problem, so it's it makes it a harder comparison. It'll be. I think we'll be able to answer that a bit better over the next two or three years. It's just like Marner is just such a two way machine. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on to, I picked out of my hat, the goalies. So second in the NHL and save percentage, third in the NHL and save percentage, Elias Samsonov and Matt Murray. How about that? Just like we all predicted. So James, what I wrote earlier this week, or maybe it was last week, is just, it's too early. Like I can't, I, it's great. Like it, this is the way you would want it if you had a choice. Like, could they start good or could they start bad? You choose good, obviously, but it's too early, isn't it? For me, isn't it to too early like, to say anything though about anything. Like, no, too early? like Marner doing this is not too early to say. Well, this is weird. It's Marner. Like he's he's done this. Like, I think with goaltending, especially, you just have to kind of be. I don't know. I'm skeptical. Like, we have too much history. I'd have to go back and listen to some of the shows we did in the summer about the goaltending or whatever, but you know, I, I've tried even, you know, they acquired Murray, they got Samsonov. I've tried to not go hot take either way when a lot of people have, I mean, if you look at I, when I tweeted out, when the Murray deal went through, you should see the responses. Like the, everyone was losing their mind saying this is the worst trade ever. And Dubas should be fired and all, you know, like, but I, I think to be fair yeah, though, James, I remember I don't, there's, there's, there's no, like it was way over the top, ridiculous. The reaction to that trade. I'm going to push back on you a little bit. I think the only reasonable response to the, those two moves was to be very skeptical. Like what do you, unless you're like living in like a fantasy world, I'm not sure how you could come out of that Murray trade well, and say, great trade, how you could come out of the Samsonov signing and say, great signing. Like, unless you're like being unreasonable. I, I wasn't know. saying that, but what I was saying was they're making a calculated risk that they feel like these are, this is a better option than committing to some of the other options that are available. Like they had to commit to two goaltenders. They went with two that had very little term and overall combined, not very big cap hits. They're not spending a lot on goalies this year yeah, as a team. True. Um, with high risk, high, high, high risk. I guess. I mean, you can know, just acquire. I, another I guess. 
you can, well, what's the high risk? You can acquire another goaltender. I mean, the, you can, I mean, there's no risk with Samsonov at all. I mean, he's got a low cap hit. I mean, if you want, you could bury him in the minors, most of the salary. There's no, there's no risk there. Do you remember, James, how difficult it was for them to try to trade for a goaltender last year? They, there just aren't goalies out there who can suddenly be your goalie. But it's not like your season is over if Samsonov's not good. Well, if Murray gets hurt and Samsonov's not good, it is over. Yeah, but I mean, it, it feels. I like think a you're lot of, playing the results a little bit too much. No, to I'm be. not. Okay, let me let me let me talk about it this way. I was at the draft with you. I was on the draft floor. I was talking to executives with other teams mm-hmm. on the draft floor, and I was talking to them about what's going on with goaltenders because it was the number one story for the Leafs. They got to get two goalies. What are they going to do? I talked. I can't say who I talked to. I talked to executives with multiple teams, and they were talking about what was happening, and they were like. Some of the smart teams in the league were saying, not the Leafs, were saying, we just don't know. So we don't really want to commit a lot, you know, and, and, or they were looking at what other teams were doing. I mean, they were, I talked to one team and they were like, they looked at what Colorado did and they're like, it's smart right now to do this because committing to a Kemper or, or a Campbell yeah. or even a Vili, Vili Huso and giving up an asset. And this is what like smart executives on other teams were saying. It was like, this actually makes sense in this environment because we don't know unless you're getting a Vasilevsky or a Shesterkin, why are you giving up term and dollars for these guys? So that's why I wish I, I meant to write. I, I ended up getting COVID in at the draft and coming home and being really sick. And I never ended up writing about the goalies, but I had meant to do it. And it was based off of talking to these other teams and what they were thinking. And I know for, well, I, I was going to say, I know for a fact, but that's probably overstating it. I know that other teams were talking about what Colorado did with Georgiev and 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 Francois and saying that's smart because like if it doesn't work out, <clears throat> they can always go and acquire another goalie. And you know, there's the best team in the league that did they take a big risk on their goalies in the offseason? Yeah. But taking they also a risk just won a cup, but yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they did last year. That does, that doesn't matter if what they did with their goalies for this year is a good move or not. It doesn't determine. It doesn't determine that. Well, yeah, but if it blows up this year, it's like, well, they did just win a cup. If it blows up for the Leafs, it's like, well, trouble. But let's but let's talk. Let's- but Jonas, that shouldn't change what you you're trying to build a good team for this year. So like, whether or not you just won or not does, doesn't change whether what you did is going to help you anyway. Like. All that is to say, and you saw, you know, I was I was arguing with people on social media in September and whatever, and like, I, I think that if you're going to really criticize what the Leafs did with the goaltending, I think you got to point to some alternative options that you liked better. Well, we d- I did we did that all summer. Like, let's not pretend we didn't come up with other scenarios. Many of which might not work. I, I have no idea. Like, we thought Huso would be a good option. He looks like a good option. He's played well. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's I mean, talk about think- those two guys. James, like it is, I I still, I'm not going to like, let's talk a month from now. Let's talk two months from now. Let's talk three months from now about whether it's worked. But But you can say that about any goalie tandem in the whole league. Sorry, but like these two guys had had no track record in recent years. Like Murray was last a very good good goalie and a very, I mean, he hasn't really been a healthy goalie for most of his NHL career. And he was last a really good goalie years ago. Samsonov had a good rookie year in limited time and the team that had him last year chose not to qualify. I'm like, they're what we we don't have any. They don't have any benefit of the doubt. Like it, and so, like what they've done so far, like it's you keep turning this. Like this is not. I'm not 
shitting on them, but like to to to, to say no, that's that not what I said, anything. Jonas. I said that yeah. you can say that about like almost like you can say that about like ninety percent of the goalies in the league. Like wait and see, it might change. I mean, that's just goaltending. Like that's not. I don't know. Some teams not, for sure. I mean, like the but number the one are different here, James. Number like, one save percentage goalie in the league right now is Olmark, who was not great last year. I mean, like. Allmark, like, wait and see. Who knows? Hellebuck didn't have a great year last year. I mean, like, wait, he's probably not going to be 932. Like, look at Vanacek and where the Devils are. Is Vanacek, like, we got to wait and see on him, too. Tristan Jari in Pittsburgh's had a really good year. Uh, what about Knight in Florida has had a really good year? Logan Thompson in Vegas. The stakes is- are different here, man. But what does that doesn't, but that doesn't mean that it, it's the same. It was, it was a risk what they did, and we're still. TBD what, on whether what it works. Could they have done that wasn't a risk, though. That's what I want to know. Actually, everything probably would have been a risk, but the, the, what they did was high risk. You can't like you can't tell me that it wasn't high but risk. If I'm everything's sorry. a risk, then you have to take a risk. So, like, yeah. So if everything is a risk, let's take the highest risk. Come on, like. Well, I don't but, know, but, but, James. Let's let's actually talk about what they. I don't know. Like, that- I think the bigger surprise of the two is Murray. Obviously, he gets hurt right away. He misses a month, but since he's comes back. Since he's come back, he's looked excellent. Like he's looked big, he's looked calm, he's looked um, he looks exactly like you'd want him to look. Like that game, I think I it's funny. Like after that game against LA, a lot of the questions were like, is this the best game you played all season? I don't even think it was in the top five. But I think one I was most impressed. The two games of late that kind of come to mind for me, that Tampa game was really, really impressive to me because Tampa basically had their full team. The Leafs obviously didn't. And they were like right in there. That was a really close game. And the other game that, that kind of comes to mind, I think it was one of those Pittsburgh games. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. But they've just played it like in, in some of the goaltending that they've got. Obviously, Murray has that phenomenal night in Dallas. Um, but he's the bigger surprise of the two. Like Samsonov has gotten hot off to hot starts every year. Um, but Murray coming back has just been lights out. The only thing I think you can point to with Murray is that he has done it before. I know it's been, it was a while ago and I know banking on someone to go back to what they were four years ago is, is a stretch Yeah, and there, and there were the injuries too. So those are, those are obviously huge X factors banking on a goalie getting back to what he was quite a while ago. And the, I mean, the other, that some of the talk about Murray is like, has his style, has the, has the way that teams are producing offense, has it evolved beyond his style? And does he need to change the way he plays? And like there, there was a lot of stuff around him that, um, you know, that, that were, that were questioned. And so it's, it, it, it's, it's going to be really, really interesting. Like if Murray can play really, really well all season, that, that risky bet, like it would be so fascinating to be a fly on the wall and see, how the Leafs zero it in on him and and saw something that like it obviously I don't I don't think it's blind luck like there was well there was I mean the guy that, who's at the head of the goalie program is literally like his coach from when he was a kid right so they had like a lot of internal understanding and and a lot of times that can be bad right like you're oh you overrate people that you know well and the other thing too Jonas do you remember when they were about to make the trade and they did like a really deep uh the trade was contingent on like a physical and, and stuff like that. And they did like a deep analysis of where his body was at and things like that. Like that could have nixed the trade. The yeah. Leafs looked really, really closely at, at where he was physically and they must have liked what they saw. Yeah. Credit to them. Um, and credit to the goalie coach. We'll see how this evolves. Like, as you said, uh, since November one, I think it's like nine thirty three. It's best in the league. 
eventually that's going to come down a bit. Um, well, we'll the, see. I mean, the one thing we should say, Jonas, is that the PDO for the Leafs, which is the, it's kind of like the quote unquote luck stat is, is pretty high right now. So, and that happens when you go on a winning streak. Um, the trick for the Leafs is going to be, you know, in their, in their possession and their, and their expected goals numbers and things are, are a little are lower than last year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, part of that's a function of not having your healthy lineup. And I wouldn't say that those underlying numbers are bad. They're just not as dominant as they were a year ago. And they're finding ways to win using special teams and goaltending. Whereas I think later this year, they're going to have to find different ways to win games than they are right now. This game has been a hit. We still have two more to get to, so we'll do them quick. <laughs> what a this! What a great game. Uh, so the next up is, you mentioned these guys earlier, Sandine and Lilgren. Uh, I wrote about them. I, th- I think it's like, it's very impressive. It's very surprising. Um, they've just risen to the occasion. Like it's credit to them. Doesn't it make the Leafs draft record over the last six or seven years look much better if Sandine and Lilgren both end up being a hit and both end up being top four defensemen and a key part of like, yeah, because like James, you don't think of of them this way, but they they were both first round picks. Like I, I don't, they have like a different, they don't have the sheen that like Nick Robertson, and it was picked in the second round does you know what i mean like you're right those, like in time those picks are really hard to make that those kind of like mid to late first round picks like a lot of them miss there aren't that many like sandine was was taken right at the end of the first round we 28th or 29th that, that one yeah. year um a lot of a lot of those are misses like the number of really good nhl players that comes at the end of the first round it's the numbers are pretty low you know it, it's you, your hit rate is much higher like top 10 top 12 even lilgren was you know, it was a, I remember when they picked him and it was like, this guy at points had been rated really, really high in the draft and had fallen due to, uh, due to an illness, I believe on his, yeah. in his draft year. Um, but right now, I mean, it looks like they've hit on both those guys right now. We'll see. Yeah. It's looking good right now. And and honestly, the more surprising to me is actually they're both pretty surprising. This is be, just because we had seen them obviously play really well on the third pair, but it's a lot harder when you're playing more minutes, your harder yep. minutes. Yep. And they're um, doing it together too, which I didn't expect. Yeah. Like I thought they would split them up, but you know, the they're friends and, and there's some chemistry there and you know, they're not big guys. They're not obviously not physical players. I wonder if there's a, can you think of a comparable around the league of another D pair that has, you know, two young, smaller skilled offensive good question, you know, on, on one of the better normal, you like to have like a yin and yang kind of thing going on in your deep pair where you have you have you have a big physical guy and an offensive guy paired together. Well, and an interesting question for them moving forward is as these guys start to come back, like what do you do with the pairs? Like I don't think you're gonna keep Brody where he is. Obviously, if they keep winning and everything keeps going well, like eventually this hot streak will cool off and they'll have to figure out who fits where. But if those guys keep playing well, together, maybe just keep them together. Well, the other thing I was going to... What did you think of Timmons? Mm, I'm a little like... I think his skating needs some work. And I think he, the development team has shown that they can take guys like that and really help them. And he looks rusty. like He looks like a guy who hasn't played and he hasn't you, played. You can see the you? hands, though. Like I, Yeah, and the smarts, like for sure. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's smart with the puck. So I, I see... I see something there and maybe he's the perfect guy on a team like this. When everyone's healthy, he's like your seventh defenseman and he's just there working with the development team and getting better. 
I wouldn't yeah. want to put him on waivers right now because I think someone would take him. Let's move on to our last one, and then we like we're we're deep into this, James. Just we can talk quick about it. The penalty kill has been excellent, really, for five weeks now, and I we talked about Hall and Giordano, but like those two guys and Marner are really at the front of the line. You could throw David Camp into the mix there. The goalies have obviously been really good. Um, I mean, their penalty kill was pretty good last year. So well, ever since they got Dean Chanelth from Carolina, they've imported some of what the Hurricanes do. And I think they've imported some of what the Hurricanes do at even strength as well. But it's really the the penalty kill that's that's taken a big step under him. And I wish I wish we could talk to him. I guess we could talk to Shelvin Keefe about the changes they made on the penalty kill. But you know what it was last year, and you're seeing a continuation of it this year. It's like get really good skating players there and get them to be really aggressive. And it's a lot less passive four-man yeah. box that they had played prior to last season. Yeah, you're right. A lot of good skaters. Uh, Kerfoot, Yarncroc, uh, Engvall kills some penalties. Aston Reese is a good penalty They're killer. big and fast, and they're on, they're on the other team. It, it looks good. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Nick Robertson, and then we'll dive into the pod bag for a few questions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Okay, James, it is pod bag time. As usual, dive into your local restaurants, your local businesses. I just like to, I don't know, remind you because our local communities are what matters, James. Huh? Right? You're an East Ender. I am a Danforthian. We're having our athletic Christmas party on the Danforth next week, so you better be there, Jonas. I'll be disappointed if you don't show up. I might just go to Allen's and get a burger and just say, well, you can do that, <laughs> do that, and then come to the Christmas party after that. That's a good but, idea. Yeah, All right. Allen's is a good spot. I uh, we we often have uh, meetings there, meetings and lunch meetings there. Um. What's become tradition, Jonas, is when we hire a new person at The Athletic who's based in Toronto, we take them to Allen's for lunch. Wow, like, that's amazing. Like, it's one of their first days on the job. Yeah. That's so great. Can I? Can you guys take me, even though I've been working here a long time? No. I think, right. I think you and I went somewhere for lunch the, when you started. You and I have gone, we've been for eight million lunches 
<laughs> you know where we should go next time? Actually, it's on the Danforth. I think it's called Square Boy. It's like a very old school joint where you can get like burgers and good Greek food. So let's we'll go do there it. next time. Let's right. do it. Well, let's do it on Christmas Day. <laughs> no comment. Uh, <laughs> I think you'll be busy that day. The the number one the number one question that we got. You yep. will never guess what it's about. The number one question that people want us to answer. I actually have no idea. It's about a prospect. I'll, throw, I'll give give you a hint. Well, Robertson's not a prospect. Who? All right. I'll end the suspense. William says, uh, I've seen people penciling in Matthew Nyes onto the roster late in the season. How likely is it that he can make an impact in the game more than players like Holmberg and Mulgan and some of these other depth players that they've got on the team? What are you buying or selling on Matthew Nyes coming into the lineup late in the year when the college season ends? I'm just a little skeptical of counting on it. Like if they go into the deadline and say, you know what, we don't need to get a forward because we have Matthew Nyes, that to me doesn't make any sense. Like if he can come in and be helpful at the bottom of your lineup or maybe even higher in the lineup, that's like a bonus. But I just wouldn't count on that. You know what I mean? Like would you yeah. be like expecting it? I wouldn't. No, but I think that you can count him to be like your 13th or 14th forward or whatever. Like I think I think they should leave a roster spot for him to come and play. Yeah, especially I, I, I mean, you look at where the bottom of their lineup is right now. They're grasping at straws, right? Like well, I think he could Malgan's fallen off. Simmons is what he he is at this point. Robertson is injured now. Putting him on the Tavares line, I mean you could try it in the regular season, but like I don't know. I like I feel like watching him in college, like he's he's already gotten an NHL body and he's mm-hmm. got a shot and I feel like he could make an impact in uh and even a depth role for the Leafs. I guess the question is just like the speed of the NHL and it's a it's big a jump from college. Jump. Like we've seen guys try to do it and, and struggle with it. Um, yeah. And I think it was smart on Nice to not come to the Leafs last year because I, I don't know that he would have been ready. Uh, this is a fun question. Uh, Dylan says he saw a comment that mentioned someone mentioned moving Morgan Riley to left wing when he gets back. <laughs> Given how well the defense has been playing, how good Riley is offensively, is it that absurd to think it could work? I don't believe Riley has ever played forward. Nope. I, I haven't. I haven't asked him that specifically, but I think he's been a defenseman for a very, very, very long time. So. Number one, I don't think the player is going to want to do that. I understand why people are asking because the question that we asked a little while ago was like, who do you sit given how well everyone's playing when Riley gets back? You sit someone. <laughs> He's your best, highest paid defenseman. I don't well, I mean, you, people are like, they need a left winger. And I mean, we've seen players play defense and forward before. Like we've, there, uh, didn't Randy Carlisle put Jake Gardner? You, well, it was talked about. I don't think he actually did. I'm, I mean, Brett Burns was a, a forward before he was a defenseman. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's amazing. You know, Bufflin, there's, it's amazing guys that can switch back and forth. Not happening. What else you got, James? Uh, Liz wants to know, how do we think the Leafs should use Murray and Samsonov, assuming they're both healthy? Like, what do you think the split should be in terms of start? Do you like or just a rotation back and forth like one then the other then one then the other uh i don't know i don't know that i I think a tandem thing is is weird here i think it has i mean when both guys are playing well it's fine but when one starts to play 
it, it can get a little awkward. Mm. Like I, I think right now I do two, two for Murray, one for Samsonov, but like, then you want to be really careful with Murray. So I don't know, maybe you, maybe you do two, one, one, well, two. Well, maybe or, when or the, the week, the weeks when there are three games, you play Murray, two of them, but in the weeks when there are four games, which happens frequently, then, then they both they each get two, I guess might be a way to do it. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm yeah, in my I hockey pool. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty small pool. And I have Samsonov as one of my goalies. I'm like, I don't know if he's going to play enough for him to like really be on my roster. Like I'm debating whether I want to keep him, even though he's been really good. He's just not playing that. I don't know that he's going to play that much. I mean, so James, like looking, yeah, I think it, it's an interesting question. Like, so you look ahead to this weekend, I presume Murray will start on Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. I would think then maybe you come back with Samsonov on Tuesday against Anaheim, then maybe you play Murray in New York. And then on Saturday, maybe you play Sam Snob against his old team in Washington. I don't know. The the small risk is like, is that enough? Like is, is, is Murray going to feel like he's playing enough if, if it's, you know? Yeah. So maybe you give, maybe the, give Murray the gaps between games or two or so much. Yeah. I don't know. It, that's, that's a good question. Uh, Luke asks uh he he says can you have cam sharon on as a guest i think that i think that'd be a good idea sure uh he said i'd love to hear some analysis from him uh especially about how the leafs are grading as a team this year compared to last year the eye test and advanced stats suggest they aren't nearly as elite and that's kind of what i was talking about with some of the underlying numbers and things like that i mean the thing you need to keep in mind though is they they've been missing a lot of players so like they're not counter james can i counter what yeah. was the best line in the league? I think they actually were literally the best line in the league uh, as far as expected goals last year. Matthews, Bunting, Marner. And mm-hmm. they just, that, that didn't happen this year. Like they, they don't have, the numbers actually for Tavares, Marner, Robertson were pretty good. But like that line was so dominant, right? And now you take that away and it's like, well, that's going to have an impact, right? You're like, you're, not, you're just not generating as much as you did before. I do think that the, you'd like to see them higher than 52% expected goals. I mean, I think that, you know, in the LA game, they were they were dominant in that department. Well, and those so bottom two lines he, don't really carry play. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, well, we could have Cam on. I know Cam, um, you know, he he's he's doing his own uh, stat tracking, which has been kind of interesting. I don't know if you saw the piece today. There's a piece at The Athletic today about how the defensive play of the Leafs helps the goaltenders that I think is worth uh, people taking a look at. All right. Marco says, why is everyone still talking about Giordano and how he can't continue to play over 20 minutes a game? He's thriving. He's dependable. What's the big deal? Can it be the more he plays, the more he's engaged? He also wants to know how big has he been in the dressing room? Let, let's start with there. Like, have you gotten a sense of Giordano's place in the Leafs dressing room? This I year? have. Um, he's kind of like, he strikes me as like the, the uncle of the group, like someone who <laughs> the guy's kind of like teasing because of his age, like they'll tease him because he's bald, but he has like a real presence about him. And you can even feel that when you're like media or just talking to him, like there's a, you can kind of feel the weight of his experience. Like he's such an interesting player and in, I don't know, in terms of his career, like because of it, everything kind of came later to him. You know what I mean? Like he won mm-hmm. that Norris trophy when I think he was like 35. 
He seems like a really good person too. Like I know Dan Robson, one of our writers, played with him in junior in in Brampton, and just said he raves about him just as mm. as a human being. Well, and, and I know that Sheldon Keefe has has even wanted him to feel like he can talk more. Like I think they want him to feel like he has more of a voice, especially when they don't have Jake Muzzin. Like that guy is kind of like mm. their conscience. Well, and he's been a captain. Yeah, and then he's one of Nor- he's one of Norris, and he's played on good teams, and there's. Yeah, just a lot that he brings. I don't think anyone expected when they got him from the trade deadline from Seattle. Like, I heard from a lot of people around the league that were saying things like, "Oh, he's slowed down. He doesn't he doesn't move the way that he used he to." Doesn't. And no, but like he's made but, it. He's he's found like with the way he thinks the game to make up for it. I do think it's fair to wonder like what is too much. Like he is thirty nine and is a really long year, and it's not just about can he do it yeah, for a few weeks in, no, management. in December, like. I think the really interesting question, James, for me, like when you think like playoffs is like, if you didn't trade for a defenseman, how much can you reasonably expect? Like, can you expect in a seven game series? Let's say you pay play Tampa again. Can he play against Kucherov and point every other night and be effective? I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's asking too much of him at that age. Do you? Every once in a while, there's a freak that guy that can play like Chara was really effective. Yep until an, an older age or, or Yager or like the every, and, and you know, everything that said people say about Giordano is that his like off ice habits are yeah. unbelievable. Justin Hall that, told me he's of, always in the gym, always lifting. Yeah. Like apparently he's, he's a monster at, at preparing his body. And the guys that, you know, Marty St. Louis, the guys that are really effective that produce in their late thirties, they all are because it's impossible to maintain that without doing that. Yeah. Joe Thornton, another example, Jason Spezza, like those guys that are, so I, I think you're right though. I think you gotta be, you don't want to just because he's playing really well, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. Like what's really important is that he, he's, he's that, that beast for you on the ice in the playoffs. Not that you don't, you don't want to run him into the, I was gonna say run him to the ground, run him into the ice too early in the season. Well, well and you can see James sometimes like with, with older guys, like it just flips really quickly. Like suddenly they just look old and that hasn't happened yet with him, but it, that's what you kind of have to be guarding against. All right. Here's uh we can go lightning round here. Let's knock off a few more. Uh, there are a lot of questions. Thank you to everyone for asking. There are a couple complaints in the questions that we don't get to the, those people. Cody says, you never answer any of my questions. That's on you, James. Don't blame me. Well, you're in I mean, we get urge when we get, 75 to 100 questions every week. We we really appreciate it. Even if we don't get to your questions, we appreciate it. I read all of them. I try and respond to some of the ones that we don't answer on the show, but there's just so many. I need to do a mailbag one day, Jonas, because like I just can't get to everything that we're we're getting so much. Like it's the show has grown and then the number of questions we get grows, and it's just the reality. We're not gonna be able to get to everybody. And we should do one of those live rooms too at some point. Or a live event, James, huh? Huh? Yeah, well, there's one of the questions in here is are you going to do it? Yeah, but are you going to run the live event? Because sure. we, all right. Well, if you set it up, I'll be there. Okay. So, <laughs> um, Joe says, uh, what is the percentage chance the Leafs trade their first round pick before the deadline? Uh, what type of player could you get in return for a first round pick this year? What, what would, if you had to put a number on it, what percentage chance would you say they trade their first round pick? I mean, you've told me that your intel is that. That's something that they don't want to do, but I don't think that means that 
it won't happen. I just think that they're more. They just don't. They do just it. don't have a ton. Like if you're not trading your first round pick, what do you have that other teams are going to be like? Yeah, we really, really want that. They're going to be like, well, we want Matthew Nyes. And they're going to be like, thanks, no. So what do you have? So I'm I'm going to put it like I don't know, sixty percent. That's I think that's about right. Yep. You know, and in another year, it could be higher than that. But I mean, you're all in. It's like, hard for what, us to know. Like, what do you? Like, yeah. If they don't. If they decide, like you know what, we can't afford to trade the first round pick. Like, what? I, I just don't know what you're doing. Like, you're trying to I win. I guess you're trading seconds and thirds or something. Like, yeah, maybe they they have more of their picks this year, right, than they have in the past. Mm-hmm. Corey says, if the Blues are out of a playoff race and decide to sell, what's the likelihood of landing Ryan O'Reilly? Um, I was doing another show uh, earlier today, and the host. Uh, uh, it was uh, J.D. Bunkus. He he said that he thinks that the player that the Leafs should try and get at the deadline is Jonathan Taves. Um, the idea of getting a center is really intriguing, right? Because then all of a sudden, like that could just completely change the complexion of your bottom six if you have another center who can who can really move the needle. Well, because then it pushes camp down to where you are right to think he belongs. Like, like Ryan O'Reilly or or Taves or Horvat. Like, can you imagine? Like it. It would really help them. If they feel confident enough in their goaltending and their defense at the trade deadline, and they just want to use all of that muzzin space on a center, and and there's, there's some interesting names that are potentially out there. I mean, I that that would be massive. If you were ranking those guys, how would you rank them? Like in terms of oh man, well, I mean Horvat. I, I watch a lot of the Cucks right now, and like that they're not having a good season, but boy, he looks fantastic. I think I'd go O'Reilly, Horvat, Taves. Yeah, I think that that's probably about. I mean, the I think Horvat's going to cost you so much because I think the team that acquires him is probably going to re-sign him as well, right? Which the Leafs are not going to be able to make work with their budget. So sometimes it's hard for the Leafs to compete for guys like that that are looking to be somewhere longer than just as a rental. Yeah. Uh, Mike wants to know what's happening with Dennis Mulligan. Have the Leafs decided he isn't going to cut it on this team, but don't want to lose him on waivers? He was in the lineup against LA, but I think it's telling he was scratched for a few games. Yarncroc's hurt. The team calls up SDA rather than putting Mulgan in. What do you th- what do you think is happening with Mulgan? What do you think should happen with Mulgan? I did find that a little weird. Like I know it's like uh, I I mentioned it to Jeff O'Neill, and he's like, "Well, the teams don't care about like where the game is, but like it does feel a little weird. Like you have Mulgan sitting there, and you're like, no, we're gonna fly SDA out there for his first game. Like he just." He was playing on that line with Camp and Aston Reese, which was really effective for a little bit. And then it stopped being effective and he stopped making an impact physically. It didn't feel like he was there as much. He wasn't, he was making bad decisions with the puck. Um, and it kind of just feels like he's lost the confidence of Sheldon Keefe. And it, it kind of feels like it did that first time. Yeah. Like I know that first time was only eight games. It was just like, he's not really doing anything. Like he's not producing offense and he wasn't producing any offense. He's not helping you defense. Like, what does he do? So, oh, but <laughs> what is it you say you do? That's here? kind of it. Right. I, I, um, I mostly noticed Morgan in the LA game when he served the penalty and went and sat in the box. That was the, I was like, Oh, there's Morgan. Yeah, there he is. And that was, that was mostly what I noticed for him. And the, I talked to him before the game and I asked him like, hey, what are you trying to do? And he just like, He's kind of strikes me as one of those guys who tries to kind of keep his mind pretty free and clear, like not overthink. Um, but like confidence, I would have to think is an issue for him. Uh, Mark says, if 
you're going to like this one. If Murray and Samsonov continue to perform at a similar level that they're playing right now, yeah, are they the best? Are they the best goalie tandem in the league? Oh wow! Yes or no only, John Jonas. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting about that question though, and you can shoot this down if you don't like. Like it, there aren't that many teams that have two good two goalies that could potentially be starters. They're not very like. There's a lot of teams where the backup is, you know, like Tampa rolled out Brian Elliott the other night, or you know, like there's a lot of teams where the backup is not someone that has the potential to be a starter. And I think that Samsonov's young enough that it's still possible that he turns into a starter in the NHL at some point. Yeah, I mean, he was a first round pick. I mean, some of those teams don't have a second guy because their first guy is just so fucking good. How many goalies like that do you feel? Well, I'm looking at the standings. All right, so let's go through it. Do you think Logan Thompson isn't there yet? Obviously. So you got Hellebuck, one. Do you consider Jake Ottinger there? I don't think so. Not yet. Vasilevsky, obviously. You know, there's probably Sorokin. Like what? Like that's what I'm doing, James. I'm going through it. Well, I know, but I'm trying to speed it up. Sorokin, Shesterkin. I I don't know if we have to go through the whole league. Sorokin, Shesterkin. This this is the worst lightning round ever. Saros. Yeah, you're right. There's not really that many. There's not that many. So I mean, even like Markstrom was amazing last year. He's really falling off. All right, let's do one more here for you, Uh, Peter. says uh it's probably still ideal to add, add a bruiser on defense what do you think about acquiring luke shen there was a story i saw uh, out of vancouver about their asking price for luke shen should be a first round pick that's the asking price you say thanks they, they love him in vancouver it's you know it warms my heart to see him get this his like second act in in the nhl and with a team that appreciates him and good for him for battling back uh from the minors to where he is now it's just like if you're acquiring luke shen you're pushing one of those younger guys probably out of the lineup but i don't know that that makes sense i also would worry bringing shen here there would be like baggage from the way that it went the lot like it was clear yeah but he doesn't care like about i don't think he would care and this is a different regime right well i just like it just like the confidence and things like that like i just wonder if he's older now he's so experienced like he's won a cup yeah, that's true. He's closing in. Uh, I think he's closing in on a thousand games. I think he'll get there uh, relatively soon. So, kudos to to Luke to Luke. Shen. So, James, before we wrap, there, I we thought that there would be a question in there about Robertson. There is, but I just I don't know for some reason. There's just so many questions. So let's just like talk about that for here, a second. Here, I got okay. it. Oh no, I don't have it. I, there's actually more than one Robertson question here. Okay, there's there's one question that someone asked after he got hurt, and it was about the style. Oh, here we go. Stu says, has Robertson been told he's not a power forward, so stop playing like one? You know, Matt, the, the I, I don't know. Like, do you think he misplayed that play where he got hurt? He kind of went into the, I don't know if he was just bracing for the impact or, but he got tossed there. He's just wired to play so hard, right? Like, I don't know that you can yeah. kind of, tell him to change it's, that it's almost like the opposite of like the way that that marner plays right where he like he avoids those plays and as a result doesn't get blown up like that but marner is just obviously a vastly better player he's bigger too like he's quicker but i guess if you're a smaller guy in the league you have to like learn to like not end up in those positions or i hate blaming, blaming guys for getting hurt because it just yeah 
I think a lot of it is bad luck. I just feel for him. Like he wants it so bad. Like even like he's, he's, he's struggled. Like he's really struggled, but like, you can just see even talking to him. I watch him in morning skates and practices. Like he really wants it to happen. Like he is working after skates. He's working on his shot. He's working on things he can improve. Um, and then it's like another injury and like a lot, like that's, that's a shoulder, whatever that is. That's a long time. Right. Yeah. Especially if there's a surgery and stuff involved. Yeah, we've been we've been sent a note that uh, Joey Anderson is in transit from Syracuse with the Marlies. Josh Cloak will be very happy coming back from Qatar. <laughs> and shout out to our boy Josh Cloak. You did a great job in Qatar. And he's going to be back covering the Leafs here for us any minute. But, but you know, Engvall might get suspended, right? That's the other thing, Jonas. So, like, they could be down Robertson and Engvall, so they're going to need another forward in the line. So, that that was the news that our producer was trying to give us. He was not trying to boot us. He likes he likes shows that are really long on Friday afternoons. Those are <laughs> his favorite. I'm us, James. Uh, it has been a pleasure. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, if you haven't signed up for The Athletic, go to theathletic.com slash leaf report. It's only $2 a month for 12 months is like less than a coffee and 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 we have gift subscriptions too so if you need to if you're you're scrambling for something for your your wife or husband to put under the tree uh give the gift of of jonas and his his games um you love that game nothing beats it nothing beats it james goodbye we'll talk next week